I think that both the cocktail and coffee worlds have more in common than many people realize. And by drawing on the knowledge of both industries, we can really learn a lot. Hello everyone, I'm Nicole and welcome to She's the Barista. Today, I have a very special guest. He is the senior roaster at Honor Coffee, but he also took an interest in cocktails as a way to explore new flavor combinations in drinks, first just as a hobby, but then combining some of his creations with coffee. He became interested in exploring how cocktails were a new way of presenting the exciting flavors of coffee. His first job was a cafe job. After working it for a few years, he was introduced to the Honor Coffee team and joined the team as a coffee roaster. When he is not roasting or working on new drink ideas, he loves getting outdoors, riding his bike, going for a bushwalk, or just being outside with friends. For a long time, he loved the drink old-fashioned, but I think by now the Negroni has overtaken this drink as his favorite cocktail. He's also a competitor, and he placed very impressive positions over the last years. In 2016, and in 2018, he made it to the finals of the Australian Barista Championship. In 2018, he also won the Australian Coffee in Good Spirits Championship, went to the Worlds and placed an impressive third place in the World Coffee in Good Spirits Championship. In 2019, he won the Australian Coffee in Good Spirits Championship again, and I am so incredibly proud and really honored to welcome my today's guest. Hello, Danny Wilson. Hey, hi. What? Hi, how's it going? What an introduction. That okay, yeah. Okay, did I forget anything? Do you want to mention that you also that, won that other was, things? That was pretty extensive. Okay. I mean, I've been in coffee for a while now, and I think that that covers pretty much the, the, the good highlights. Okay, so this podcast is about covering a little bit more about that story. So, um, first of all, I um, said a quote of you at the start of the show, and I'm going to repeat it again. Um, the quote that I picked out is, I think that both the cocktail and coffee worlds have more in common than many people realize. And by drawing on the knowledge of both industries, we can really learn a lot. You've said this. <laughs> Um, and I took that from an interview from uh, that you had with Honor in 2018. Um, I chose that because I think this pretty much shows you as a coffee professional as well as a great ambassador for Coffee and Good Spirits. And I wanted to ask you, since 2018, obviously a lot of things have changed. Would you, as in, to introduce you, say the same quote again or would you change anything about that would you say maybe coffee has already evolved so much that is now absolutely recognized in the bar um, tending industry or anything like that uh i think this this idea is still pretty relevant to me uh i suppose one of the reasons i chose it is obviously specialty coffee Coffee itself has obviously been around for a while, but specialty coffee is quite a young industry. And we're always looking to other fields to kind of get inspiration and look how we can move forward and progress. And I think for a, a couple years, we, we looked a lot to wine uh, for inspiration. Mm. And I, I think that is useful in some respects. There's obviously a lot in terms of like, how coffee's grown, how it's processed. There's a lot of parallels there that can be made in the actual like raw raw product in the way that the that coffee's made at a at an origin or a farm level. But once it kind of gets to the barista level, I'm not sure if it's the best uh, kind of parallel. And I think you can see a lot more relevance in looking to the bar world. There's there's a lot to be said for how barista, how roasters, how all the people here on the more, I suppose, production side of, uh, of coffee, how they interact with that product uh, and influence how the end product ends up. 
And I think that's much more relevant to to bartenders than it is to to wine professionals mm. because there's a lot of hands-on influence. And I think looking to that industry and kind of what taking things from that industry that are, are useful and looking for inspiration there can help progress specialty coffee in terms of like baristas and roasters and people producing coffee, uh, like producing and working with the roasted product. Uh, I think there's a lot to be learned there. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the wine industry does relate a little bit more to the farm level and what we are doing as the last The, the end of the chain basically as a barista um we are trying to create these flavors or like get the best out of it which might relate a little bit more to the bar industry absolutely there's yeah. there's so much to be learned about like how to balance drinks and learning how to how to take a real product and turn it into something even better and add value in that way um obviously there's a it's quite important to kind of understand the the origin side of things and understand where coffee comes from and how it's processed and produced. But I think there's a lot to be built on there as mm. well. So Danny, before your life in coffee, um, you were studying media and you have worked as a DJ. Can you tell us a little bit more about your DJ career actually? Because I'm quite interested in that. I've also seen photo evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Uh, I suppose, when did I start DJing? I it was probably actually on my gap year. So on my gap year, I actually spent about, what was about six or so months living uh, with some family over in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had a little cafe job there. It was pretty, uh, pretty cruisy little job, just like a tiny little cafe in a park, mostly just kind of uh, waiting tables and things like that. Um, but in my spare time, I kind of just jumped online, watched some, uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that and decided that I kind of wanted to learn to DJ, uh, <laughs> on YouTube tutorials. Oh. Yeah. Even you can back learn, in the old days. Yeah. You can learn so much on YouTube and like, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was back in the day. So like literally just ordered a few little bits and pieces online, got practicing in the bedroom and Uh, yeah, learned to DJ there. And then when I kind of got back from that trip, decided that I kind of pursue it. Oh, it wasn't really, it was still a hobby, but uh, got introduced to a few people that kind of uh, ran promoted club nights and things like that. Uh, and they were pretty happy to have me play a few sets. Um, this was right when, I'm not sure if you remember when dubstep was huge. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I, I rode that wave. That was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, I, I remember being in the clubs when I was like very, very young. Yeah. So I was kind of riding that wave. And uh, the guys that I met, it was, it was a really funny uh, time. So they managed to basically, these guys that I was kind of going to uni had secured this back room of this dingy club Uh, the club owner was basically renting it out because there wasn't enough people going to his main club. So he's like, you can have this back room. There's a staircase that goes up there. You you can make whatever you charge off the door and he'll take the the cuts off the off the bar mm -hmm. and we'll just we'll just run it that way. So there's this dodgy little operation in the back of uh, this nightclub. But they kind of took this booming dubstep thing and just turned it into like this amazing little spot where you would have just the most grimy nights out. Um, and yeah, I got to play sets there. My set was usually the closing set. So it was oh, like from God. <laughs> super late. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I started, I started at 3am usually and went till five, um, which was, you know, tough, but also a lot of fun because at that time you pretty much didn't have any rules on, what you could or couldn't play uh, because everyone was just out of their minds <laughs> at that point. Uh, so I had a lot of fun just playing whatever music 
uh, so basically, I wanted to play. And... Yeah, you went somewhere, you just did whatever you wanted to. Um, <laughs> and everybody was having a really great time. That's yeah, everyone's awesome. having a great time. So seriously, how did you, I mean, I guess the hours aren't so different to your starting hours now. But yeah. how did you go from a DJ to being a senior roaster, one of the best known roasters in the world? Well, so at that time, I still had this like little cafe job and was that, was I, that there was a couple was it already in australia or was that still back in yeah yeah so this is all yeah. in australia um and there was a couple of shifts that were like you know i was pretty young so you could get away with it but i would finish up at uh doing a club night at 5 a.m and then i had to have a like 7 30 open shift oh boy so you kind of just like have about half an hour sleep and then just roll into work and <laughs> just do it do it that way, which is fine for a while. But I suppose that's that's probably kind of where my DJ career came to an end when I got pretty <laughs> sick of doing the uh, 5 a.m., 7 a.m. Uh, Double shift. Nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started to wind back the uh, the DJing and – doing a bit more work in the cafes and then uh the boss who i was working for the time uh he partnered up with uh sasha my current boss at honor mm-hmm. uh they had a, a new little cafe in the bottom of this office building uh and he basically asked if i wanted to go over and start working in that shop and that's kind of where i first met the honor guys and was introduced to the very uh intense and thorough uh, approach to coffee that uh they have and i suppose that was the beginning of my my serious coffee career which year was that uh, oh that would have been <laughs> we, we just sound like we're so old already <laughs> oh i want to say like 2012 2013 or something like that that's quite that's quite a long way back um, yeah because I, I i worked in that cafe and kind of around a couple other cafes with the honor crew for a couple years before I actually moved on to the roasting gig. Mm-hmm. But that, that was kind of where I got introduced. And then I was kind of around for a while. Uh, and eventually there was basically a, a point in time where um, the guys were looking for somebody to join the roasting department. So they kind of got to a point where Sam was doing Sam Cora was doing all the roasting by himself. So Sam Cora is um, Sam Cora is the head roaster, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and- he's a head roaster. Mm. Uh, he was yeah. So he was basically just doing everything uh, solo, which and it was just kind of getting to this point where he was having pretty full weeks, uh, and there was kind of no contingency plan if he got sick or anything like that. So mm. they're like, we should probably look to at least bring in an assistant or something like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, I was kind of around and interested. So Sasha was like, you want to learn to roast? And at the time I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and I, you I, also I, I didn't say often, no. It's like, oh, yeah, I was like, I'll give it a try. Why not? <laughs> um, okay, cool. Just for our listeners to, we've said a couple of names and we said a couple of um, other words. Um, so, so Sasha that you're referring to is the 2015 uh, world barista champion, right? And yep, um, and Honor is the company that he founded. Yeah, cool. So you work for the company of the world champion from two thousand. Not bad, not bad. Was that yeah? So when you became a roaster, was that before two thousand fifteen or after? Yeah, so that was actually two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Mm. Oh, so um, so one and a half years later. Yeah. Sasha so I did my, became a, a world champion. Did that like it must have been a huge impact on on your work roasting there because it must have been so many orders coming in. Was that yeah in, insane? I guess hey? it, it wasn't immediate, but it was kind of so. Yeah, I, I suppose I started it seriously roasting in kind of like 2014 that was the first year i competed as well uh and kind of got a taste for this whole competition thing mm. 2015 sash went on win to win uh which was really exciting and i don't think it really sunk in for me at the time how big of a 
a, a deal it was. <laughs> and then well. <laughs> it was obviously exciting, but I, the next, the following like three years kind of w- were just these like rippling, it was like a, a domino yeah, effect. This, yeah. Domino just, effect yeah. where it just never slowed down. So it was this kind of slow build through the end of 24 to, uh, 2015 after he won, but then it just didn't stop for like three years. Mm. But that's, uh, that's all fine honest, because, it hasn't, because you're yeah. definitely not used to sleeping anyway from your DJ career. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oh, well, it's just like back in the old days. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very exciting time. Uh, and, and to be honest, it hasn't really slowed down. It's more just that we've gotten used to how it all operates and kind of managed to grab the reins a little bit. So amazing. We're we're used to the craziness. Yeah. So you've said, so you said a couple of words about you competing as well. And before I'm going to dive into this whole competing universe with you, um, I just wanted to ask you what you do when you're actually not roasting, because I've seen on your Instagram that you're a very keen mountain biker and I've also seen that you have a second Instagram account, which is called Thirst Impressions. Um, and you're mm-hmm. kind of like constantly making cocktails and giving people just pure recipes, which I think is really amazing. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your interests outside of coffee? Yeah, so I, I've ridden kind of mountain bikes and stuff since high school. And... It's always I, I've always enjoyed kind of technical a technical element to my hobbies. So that's the same with coffee. That's the same with DJing. There's always some sort of like technical fascination where I, I like getting into the nitty gritty of stuff and uh, working in that kind of way. Um, but for a while there, I uh, kind of stopped riding my bike. I think it was when I really got into coffee heavily mm. also um, also into the sense of maybe not injuring yourself <laughs> quite dangerous yeah, sport. Yeah. quite dangerous <laughs> yeah so i had all these other kind of per- pursuits going on with the djing and the and the coffee things but after after 2015 when things got so intense with work uh there was like yeah two years of just like head down focus on the roasting doing so many so much competition stuff work was crazy that I realized that I kind of needed something separate and that's kind of where bikes came back in. And now it's kind of my weekend little, uh, activity hobby. I like get to work on my bike, get to go ride it. It gets me obviously outside and exercising, which is great. You, uh, you but also you ride to yeah. work. Uh, I occasionally do ride to oh work. Oh my God. How um, many kilometers are that? That's insane. It's not so much the the distance; it's the the early starts. So that oh, that's kind God. of yeah. But do you know do you uh, know how many kilometers it are? Uh it's only like ten fifteen k, I think. Hmm. Maybe not even that. So at like it's not, not four too bad in the morning. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um. But yeah, more recently, I suppose cocktails. Uh, that's kind of been tied in a bit with competition stuff as well, but that's kind of almost been an extension on my pursuits with coffee, taking kind of my knowledge and experience in coffee and applying that to a a different form Mm -hmm. and learning what I can from the bar world and yeah, just making delicious drinks. Mm. And on, on one of your photos, I've seen, um, I've seen a little friend of mine um, because recently you became a parent. You became a dog (laughs) parent to a little puppy um, his name is Turbo, and his name actually is, is, is very accurate, I would say. Um, yeah, so, he's he's full of energy. So how do you how is it to do the long hours in the roastery and then dealing with a with like with a little puppy? Oh, it's actually oh, it, it's both the best and worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always good coming home and having Turbo there. Just so excited. You're also exhausted and then you have a puppy. So, yeah. but I can't complain. You can't complain at all. <laughs> that's, that's a very diplomatic um, a father's <laughs> answer. 
So let's um, talk a little bit more about competitions because that's definitely something that I'm very interested in. And most people will know you as a finalist from the Coffee in Good Spirits competition. And yeah, in 2018 in Brazil, that was incredible. And you placed third. Um, so maybe first of all, can you explain in your own very, very simple words what Coffee in Good Spirits means? So it's essentially just a coffee and cocktails competition. Obviously, every competition has its own unique format, but what we're looking for in Coffee and Good Spirits is the person that can combine coffee and cocktails in the most in the in the best way and who can represent the kind of the joining of the the bar and the barista industries as well as they can. Mm. So there's six world competitions, I think. Am I counting right? Wait a second. So there's barista, right? And then barista, brewers, latte art. Yeah, that's the big three that everyone knows. And then there's us yep. in coffee and good spirits. Good spirits. Um, then there's ebrick. There's cup tasters. Yeah, cup ah. tasters, ebrick. And, and roasting. roasting. So seven, seven world competitions that uh, evolve around coffee. Um, and definitely very, I, I would just always recommend to people if they ask me what it is to just watch a YouTube video because it's so hard to put in words. Um, and so you placed third in the world in 2018. Amazing. Yep. Congratulations. That was a lot Re of fun. Really, really Thank good. You. Also, Brazil was like, wow. Okay. Was it was it was it really wild? Did you go on, on crazy parties or to be honest, a lot of the time was just getting around and getting all the supplies. Like mm. that yeah. was that was the craziest thing about Brazil was especially being if the first time that I'd traveled for my own like world competition. You have all this stuff and then just trying to manage getting it all over there and then replacing anything you needed, like had a few breakages in bottles and things like that. Oh, and no. Yeah. The biggest challenge, hands down the biggest challenge, was for one of my drinks, I, uh, I, I made a hot cocktail and it needed a blowtorch. So I like set the drink on fire. It was all very cool. Hmm. However... <laughs> Super easy. Super it's easy. Very, to it's <laughs> it's course, very difficult to travel. Just go somewhere in Brazil and say, oh, uh, yeah. I need a blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, you, you try and put a, a gas canister in your luggage and the airport security are not going to be overly happy with you. I wonder why. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. So you got the blowtorch. Uh, then we... No, 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 no. So you, how did you get a blowtorch in Brazil? Just, just like that? Uh, so it was a lot of driving around in Ubers, uh, lots of Googling, uh, Mr. John Montgomery actually helped me with a couple little, uh, translations. Oh, of course. Uh, by the trying way, to figure Jordan, out how... Jordan Montgomery is my fiance. So he's yeah. a very, very handsome, very helpful man. <laughs> yes. Uh, figuring out translations for blowtorch in uh, Portuguese. And uh, where we might be able to get some. And uh, eventually we found this like hardware store uh, that was kind of like 40 minutes drive from where our hotel was and uh, managed to get this blowtorch. And it worked out really well because the judges really liked that drink. So it was all worth it in the end. Amazing. That's that's a great story to tell your your grandkids or your grandpuppies. Um But actually, something that I remember is because you competed in 2019 as well. Um, yeah. And I was I was so scared of you. I was like, I, I was, I don't know. I, I looked you in the eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to beat me by far. And I remember a situation that we had. Um, I was backstage when the finalists got announced and, and everyone was kind of like, because you already knew all of the guys, you know, and, and, and everyone was saying like, oh, so how many times... So the, how many is competition is this for you? Um, and I think I said, I said like four and you were standing next to me and you said 21. And I, I remember this and I was just like looking at you and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> not just because it shows your dedication to, to your craft and to obviously like 
competing and and getting better every single time but also Danny you're insane <laughs> and 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 where did it all start like what was your first competition first of 21 so first was yeah uh barista championship in 2014 and i had absolutely no idea what i was doing mm-hmm. but i was surrounded by this whole honor crew i was probably one of like five or six competitors even then uh so i was kind of like well everyone's company. doing it yeah mm. everyone's doing it so i might as well get involved and uh i think after that first year i kind of got hooked on it and, uh, and and i do have to say for a lot of listeners um because there's like probably people listening in Sweden or in, in other countries where there's like not many competitors on the competition or even in Germany is sometimes just like 10 competitors on, on the competition. But in Australia, there's like 40 per barista competition. Right. And then there's regionals and everything. And you, really yeah. have, and, and sometimes it is actually like winning Australian nationals is, is, like world's level it is crazy what you people do yeah it's every year at the national round i'm so surprised by the level and the standard of what everyone's doing not just with the competition but how everyone's pushing coffee and this it's this kind of weird little world of just to just to have a chance at going to worlds is such a huge feat in australia so I think that's one of the things that breeds some amazing competitors out of uh, out of Australia. Just this fiercely competitive national uh, round. And also, you learn so much. I, I'm I'm guessing like since 2014, you've like learned over 500 of the knowledge that you didn't even know you had, <laughs> or you could have. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's crazy. Like you're you're not only learning, but you're having to develop new skills and. Uh, push coffee organize yourself and yeah yeah and just kind of be the best competitor and barista and coffee professional that you can possibly be Mm. so you said yeah barista coffee professional i mean you've competed a lot and and in several competitions do you have a favorite format of competition or do you would you say now that you prefer six over barista coffee and good spirits over barista or oh yeah I, I tell anyone that's that's doing barista, I'm like, man, I, I don't want any, any more. I, like, I did it for like five years or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. nah, no more. I, I actually have fun doing uh, coffee and good spirits, which yeah. uh, you're challenged by barista and you're challenged by good spirits, but at least you have fun drinking on good spirits. You do have so oh. much fun. I'm so on your side, seriously, because I've, I think I've done with this year, I've done four barista championships and coffee and good spirits is just so much more fun. I mean, it's also a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of very hard work, but it's also like the, even just the people in the format are so much more loose <laughs> yeah. than, than the people backstage in barista. Um, so I've heard a story about you attending a Coffee and Good Spirits competition in Göteborg in 2015. And apparently there was a very wild after party. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, maybe? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the parties are always a lot of fun. Uh, but I think that whole that whole week was just uh, a good time. Uh, I got to travel over there with uh, one of the guys I was working with at the time, uh, so the, we had the Australian Coffee and Good Spirits Championship and I actually competed in that one. Uh, it was my first year competing in Coffee and Good Spirits uh, and we needed another uh, person to, to fill up all the slots to make sure the competition actually ran. Uh, and, yeah, brought in uh, Lucas, who I was working with at the time. Uh, he was, he was to... roasting as well, right, for honor? Uh, um, he, he, I think he went to roast afterwards. At the oh, time, we okay. were just kind of working in a in a cafe together. But, so you uh, were competing in the Australian Coffee and Good Spirits Championship, but yep. there weren't enough people competing. Yep. So you've asked your colleague, Lucas, yep. to compete as well. Yeah. And he had just no like, idea. Yeah, he had no idea. He was, I think he oh. was doing the barista competition at the time. So he was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just come on stage and make a couple of drinks and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but he uh, is deceptively good at making uh, cocktails and went on to win the Australian Championship and <laughs> beat everyone. Wow. How even though he basically you? didn't prepare anything. Oh, wow. Uh, but, yeah, he, uh, he brought me along to help him out for the, um, the competition in Sweden. And, yeah, we had a lot of fun that, uh, that year. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, so the, the competition didn't exactly uh, go exactly as we were planning, but we had a lot of fun meeting uh, coffee professionals, going to all the parties and stuff like that, uh, and then meeting some locals as well and just spending some time uh, finding out about the, the kind of Swedish local coffee scene, which is really cool. Uh, and I think there's, there's a lot to be, yeah, gained in going to these kind of events and just uh, meeting new people. Yeah. Well, um, so you, so would you say this was kind of like a preparation for you for, for the next comp competition or do, or do, what do you think is the most important thing in, in preparing for coffee competitions or is it for you just kind of like, because you've competed so many times, is it just an addition to your skills that you can then use or what would you recommend to others that want to compete is there is there is there a manual that you can follow being like okay check your trolley check your stuff or do you think it's more intuition uh all right so uh the first thing that you need to do when you're preparing for a competition is set yourself some goals about what you actually want to achieve and that doesn't necessarily mean just going for the win because if you don't have the experience and you not really participated in the competition format before. That's not always the way to, to learn the most out of or get the most out of the competition format. Like for me, it took a few years of just building my skills, learning as much as I can and not in just the, the competition format, but learning as much as I can as a barista, as a coffee professional building my skills and using the competition format to almost put them to the test. Mm. Um, that meant that when it did come time that I really wanted to do as well as I could and try and go for that win, I could draw on all that knowledge, all that experience and actually put together a performance that I was really proud of. Mm. Do, do you think there was moments where you think you've, become a better barista because of the competition or you are like, does it, does it go hand in hand, your work life and your competition life? I think absolutely. Every time you compete, you become a, a better barista, better professional. You learn so much. If you, if you allow yourself to learn from the experience, you can, it is the fastest way as far as I know in improving your skills yeah. just because you put yourself under such high pressure. Uh, that all, all that knowledge, all that experience gets built so quickly. Uh, yeah. And you're, you're, yeah, you're really putting everything to the test. Yeah, I, I sometimes say it's, it's like when you write an essay at school about a topic and you dive into it completely, uh, that's what competitions is for me. Like yeah. writing an essay about how to be a barista and, is, and then about the, the, obviously the topic you chose and, and all of a sudden you become an expert, expert in exactly that one single topic it's really interesting yeah at, at the same way the first essay that you ever wrote probably wasn't very good but mm -hmm. the more you do it the better you the get better you it. get yeah so and yeah you, you start building those skills and that allows you to then create something worthwhile at the end yeah amazing so the the 2020 competitions in australia have been postponed yeah right and I mean, we do have a date, but we also don't really have a date, do we? Like, it's it's all a little bit uncertain. And, yeah. And and because it is a little bit uncertain, can you maybe tell us a little bit about what you were wearing, uh, what you were preparing for this year's competition? Not that I'm asking privately. <laughs> <laughs> Or is that a really heavily guarded secret? Uh, no, so I, I was working on some, some pretty cool ideas. Well, at least I hope they were pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. for the 2020 competition. 
Um, I pretty much had my whole routine all pretty much dialed in. So this whole uh, situation that we found ourselves in was was really strange because we were only a few weeks out from our national competition. So I was already 100% like game time mode. I was doing my performances. I was like, social life was basically non-existent. It was 100% competition time. And then it was like the rug got pulled up from underneath us. It's like, all right, everything's now in question. Things are getting postponed and cancelled all left, right and centre. So that was a really weird time. But looking at it now, I'm happy just to put everything kind of on hold. All my ideas are still kind of there. And I think I'm going to not necessarily scrap everything, but look at how my ideas apply to the kind of world we're living in at the moment and, Mm. and see if we can... It's it's Makes really strange because it. because we both trained for the competitions at the same time. Yeah. Um. So we both went through the same experience, like putting your private life on hold, just going and 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 um prepping and and doing all of these routines and it's it's very hard to describe it for someone that your social life really is non-existent. Um. And then it got delayed because our social life was not allowed to be out anyway. Yeah. Um, so now we've just put ourselves in the training room for like three months, not seeing anyone. And now we can't see anyone anyway for a couple yeah. of months. It's really strange. Are you, are you, do you think you're going to stick with the routine that you planned or are you going to do? Oh, there's a, there's a lot I'm going to keep. Uh... But are you, are you certain of things where you like thought about it and now you're like, ah, oh, Nah, actually, I don't want to keep that. Nah, there, there's so much, I think, that I'd built into my routine. I was really happy with it. Mm. And now it's just some of the ideas actually make even more sense now. Um, so I think oh, so I'm just going to... So you can tweak your story a little yeah, bit to make it exactly. go, oh, interesting. So. Um, and what's really... What maybe a lot of people don't know about the format still because we haven't really explained anything, but um, in coffee, in good spirits, you don't just have to make one or two drinks. There's different rounds and you have to make a total of maybe six drinks. Is that correct when I'm counting right? Uh, Anywhere between, yeah, five and seven or something like that depending on how many different variations you do for the first round so the the first rounds are what they call spirit bar uh and that's it's kind of like the most it's a lot of fun it's kind of relaxed but it's also like high stress at the same time so high stress you you, it's like a six minute routine uh and you roll a dice and then they basically give you a couple of ingredients, but all right, make a drink. Is it six minutes? I think it's six minutes. Nah, it's eight minutes. Seven it's minutes? minutes. Pretty, every time I oh do my it, God, I just rush through it like yeah, crazy. When we and train, it, we're just like, I don't care. I'm done in five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's kind of a semi-improvisational. It's a bit more relaxed in the format. Uh, and it's about kind of, improvising some interesting drinks in a short amount of time. Uh, So that's the first round. Uh, The second round is the first time you go onto the main stage, which is very, you know, scary time. (laughs) You have, instead of having three judges standing around you, you've suddenly got like uh, four or five, you've got technical judges and head judges and, and your main, uh, tasting sensory judges as well. Uh, oh, and the cameraman. And the cameraman. the cameraman. Yeah. So in that round, you have 10 minutes and you have to make a pair of cold drinks and you have to make a pair of hot or warm drinks. And you're basically judged on how those taste, the, the way you use the coffee, a whole bunch of technical elements, which encompass like how you work with the coffee machine and how you work with your brewing. 
but also your bartender skills, like how you pour from your bottles and how clean and tidy you are and your uh, general demeanor and how confident and friendly you are as well. Mm. And then... Because this is one of the very few um, competitions where flair and attitude actually get scored, right? Mm. Ah, that's yeah. the, I think that's why it's the funniest one. That's why it's the most interesting one. And I, I do quickly have a very personal private question. Um, so mm. you do get scored on the accuracy of your taste descriptors, right? Uh, not accuracy so much. Uh, it's slightly different to the barista competition in that sense. Yeah, but you do still have to tell the people what they taste, right? Yeah, you have we, to say so. You will taste chocolate, or you will taste strawberry. Um, it's more about so, guiding them through an experience. Oh, and because I always wondered if you go to a barista competition and you know your coffee isn't good, and you're just going to say mm -hmm. you will taste ash mm -hmm. with a lot of astringency and uh, a little bit of a, a very bitter aftertaste. But if you guide them through it, yeah, so well. Could you make maximum points? That's my question. Uh, you can get the maximum amount of points for the quality of the coffee. There, there's, there's waiting. So like you can't always, you can't just describe a terrible coffee and score amazing points for it. <laughs> you can score as well as you can score for the quality of the coffee that you serve. Thank you. Um, so we still have to bring high quality yeah drinks <laughs> the, the majority of the points are in the quality of the drinks uh and a, a lot of those other brackets are just about guiding the judges through that experience just so they know you can kind of be on the same page and they kind of mm. understand what they're getting and that's especially important for the coffee and good spirits format because there is no like set format of what the drink is going to be like an espresso is an espresso. There's only so much you can change that before mm -hmm. it becomes a different drink. But a cold cocktail could be any number of things. Uh, so you kind of want to set up the expectations for the judges so they kind of know what they're going to get and they can assess you based on how you've described it. And what I really find fascinating in Coffee and Good Spirits, that was the first time that I've realized by accident that I have made a drink myself where I went through different stages of taste. Like mm. you drink the first sip and you taste, let's say, plum and you drink it maybe five seconds later and you taste tonic water. Yeah. That was the experience of my drink. And this is when I realized how extremely fascinating um, coffee and alcohol in a combination is because there's so many flavor layers that actually give the judges a real experience. Yeah. And there's such a broad range of different ingredients and flavor profiles that you can create in that format. And I think that's what's most exciting to me is moving out of just the, the standard format of coffee, um, which I obviously enjoy a lot, but it's nice to, to move beyond that and, kind of take a bit of a sidestep and see what else is out there at the same time. Yeah, absolutely on your page. And um, now is the time for me actually to, you were probably wondering why you are on a podcast that's called She's the Barista. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, as this is um, a little bit of a project for me to encourage young women um, or female baristas to step outside. And I do have a couple of questions that are, um, yeah, that are putting the focus a little bit on that. So I quickly want to change to that topic with my first question. Um, my first question is, which woman has changed or influenced you the most and why? And I'm so excited to hear your answer, seriously. So I'm actually going to kind of half sidestep the question and say that there's not one person because I kind of feel like coffee's got this weird cult of celebrity around certain people. Mm -hmm. There's this, this whole idea, like, yeah, there's all these coffee celebrities around. And 
for me, that's not what inspires me. It's not the, the individuals, but it's kind of people's actions. And I kind of want to come back to this competition idea mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's the, the area that most inspires me. When I, when I travel to a competition, you look around and there's women everywhere doing amazing things. Like there's amazing women competing in the competitions. They're running the backstage uh, areas. They're coaching. They're basically doing every role imaginable, but it's not a big deal. And that's to me really exciting for the future of coffee. That's kind of what I want to see everywhere. Just that women can do absolutely anything in the coffee industry and it's a good thing. Mm. So so you're more influenced by the behavior of the of the women surrounding you and the, and the behavior that you've seen on and backstage. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, which leads me to my next question, which you're probably now not going to like a lot. But um, my next question is, um, if you have a, a female role model in the coffee industry that you look up to, where like if there's a person that you think is so knowledgeable or that has um, produced or that has um, achieved something where you're like, I take this and I admire this and I, I really think she's a role model, not just for women, but for anyone in the coffee industry, who would you pick? So many good people to choose from, isn't there? Um, I'm going to shout out to somebody who has been around for pretty much like a lot of my competition life, uh, and that's Miss Shanina, uh, mm. the green, green buyer for Project Origin. So in 2016, the first year I made finals for the Bristol competition. She was also the first time that she made finals for the Bristol competition. So we got to go through that together. She's been competing ever since, doing incredible things, not only in the, the green world, but in the competition world. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give a big shout out to Shanina. She also won um, Australian Brewers Cup, yep. right, in 2018, and she went to Boston yep. to compete for Australia in the Worlds. Um, amazing. Really, really great. Really, really good example. Um, and now to my last and final question. I do know that you are an advocate for involving more women in coffee roasting. What do you think can be done achieve this not just in Australia but also across the world because women in doing roasting or roasting coffee it's it's a very rare side it's a very rare side yeah so I think the first thing is demystifying a lot of what roasters do uh most of it's standing in a machine pressing buttons but oh, I love that because every time someone sorry every time someone asks me it's like I say the comparison, it's like driving a lorry. Like you have to say focus, but it's also really boring. Uh, but beyond that, I suppose a lot of what makes a good roaster is being creative and kind of relentlessly pursuing quality. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's no barriers to who can do that. So I think, yeah, if we can kind of get more people passionate about and more women especially passionate about improving things at a roast level and having that like just dogged aggressive commitment to to quality i think that hopefully that will encourage more women to to approach being a roaster uh i just want to like encourage anyone that kind of wants to look into being a roaster to to pursue it because it's a it is a very challenging uh, area of the industry but um yeah it's also quite rewarding at the same time would you say it's a it's a physical disadvantage that you have as a woman to be a roaster or would you say that you're working actually in a roaster where you 
that is, let's say, back friendly so that anyone can work there? Um, I think there's a, there, at the moment there is phys more physical element to it, but I think that there's always ways that we can improve that. I don't think that should be a, a barrier. I think there's, there, there is solutions. Uh, it's just about trying to kind of find the best way of doing things. Uh, mm. And I don't think that should hold anyone back in terms of trying to become a roaster. Amazing. So maybe that's also a, a call to all of the roastery owners to, to realize that roasting, not just if you're a woman would damage your back, but also if you're a man. So just invest in a little bit of more, more healthy um, equipment that people can actually work this job, yeah. no matter which gender they are. Yeah. And I, I think it's whether that's yeah, technology or just techniques and things like that. Uh, there's always ways of making things healthier and, and better suited to, to long-term, I suppose, sustainable work. Amazing. Incredible. So Danny, that was it. We did you've, it. You've we, answered, you've answered all my questions. We got there in the end. Oh my God. This is so exciting. I loved it. I loved every single second of it, except for the dropouts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just some early technical glitches. That's no problem. Yeah. Is there anything else that when you when I asked you to be on the podcast and you said it's a podcast about women, was there anything else that was on your mind that was like coming to your head about the topic where you were just like, oh, maybe I maybe I do want to say this. Um, I would say that the thing I wanted to share with people is the coffee industry, like we've already kind of said at the start, is pretty young compared to a lot of more established industries. And we kind of have a, a opportunity to, to shape the industry in the way that we want it. Uh, so as much as looking to other industries and taking inspiration from other people on building your role models can be good. Also, Don't be afraid to kind of shape the industry in the way that you want and yeah, set your own goals and try and achieve them. Amazing. I love that shape the industry in the way that you want. That is, that is a very, very good sentence. Um, thank you so much, Danny. That was a great talk. That was um, a lot of fun. That was so much fun. Um, I'm going to say goodbye now and I've got a couple of more words to my listeners. So goodbye, Danny. See you later. Thanks for having me. See ya. Bye. Wow. What a great guest. Danny Wilson. Not only a senior roaster, a world coffee in good spirits finalist and a retired DJ, but a wonderful guy in general. Today, we covered a number of topics. Working as a barista, working as a roaster, competing in coffee competitions, not traveling to Brazil with a blowtorch, and some great ideas about building the future of specialty coffee with equal opportunities. For those listening at home, Danny has some great advice to share. If you want to learn more about coffee, sometimes it is helpful to look outside of it at other industries. If you have a desire to compete, the first and best step is to try it. And the specialty coffee industry is young, so together we have the opportunity to build it the way we want it, to be open and inclusive. Until next time, I'm Nicole, and thanks for listening to She's the Barista.